Greetings and welcome back to the Random History Podcast. This podcast is part of my document series. It will not discuss a specific document. It will discuss an invention that is integral to the history of documents, aka the printing press. Note, I will not cover all the printing presses. I will probably just cover mostly the earliest iterations of the printing press itself. So I'm I'll probably cover like not like the one earliest one to cover like some of the earlier items or earlier things used for printing. So I'm gonna start off with stencils. AKA hand stencils, this is basically cave painting. I'm pretty sure that many of you have made hand turkeys when you were younger for Thanksgiving. That is a hand stencil, and that's considered to be one of the like first not necessarily methods of printing, but stenciling has often been used as a something that's very similar to printing and is considered to be one of the earlier iterations of printing itself. And they've believed the people believe that stencils may have been used to color cloths for long periods of time, actually. And they even would use them in Europe, oftentimes to cover old master prints, and basically they'd use stencils from mass publications also for a while, just because you didn't have to handwrite the type, so stencils are widely considered to be one of the first and the earliest forms of stencils, and one that still managed to last on for a good period of time. Then another form of kind of printing, or kind of like print-like items, would be another kind of form of not necessarily printing, but kind of copying, would be coinage. Hammering coinage was probably one of the easiest and earliest examples of this. Basically, they placed it like a per, in like this blank or kind of like plumb piece of metal between these two engraved sides and kind of strike them to make sure that they would have a image or a mold. Another form would be the use of seals, and these were often used. So, for example, they'd actually use seal stamps, and they'd use these as in like casting bronzes. That way, they could make different types of seals and just make large amounts of them. They could even use them, like, with multiple characters. That way they could kind of, like, use them to write down characters or just kind of type down, not write, but not type, but, like, kind of, like, put down characters. And then another thing, like, kind of similar to this idea is, like, the history of printing is the signet ring, ring often used throughout the Roman Empire and continue on through Europe just because that was a good way for people to kind of use documents. Then another way which people printed items was using blocks of stone, clay, and bronze in which oftentimes they would use, they would, like, use them, they would make rubbings of them, or they'd use them to, like, print textiles. Then probably what most people consider to be the earliest, like, form of printing that people recognize or kind of consider as printing is the woodblock printing. For those who do not know what woodblock printing is, is a method in which it's something that is used widely throughout East Asia and kind of originated in China. It's still used today, but not as much. And the idea is... Basically, it is when which people kind of have a wooden block, they kind of chip, chip it away in almost a relief pattern, basically. And they basically, like the areas that they want to show white, they would cut them away. Why they leave the... So instead of, like, cutting the images out, they cut around it so that the letters are the, like, part that is not... So they strip away everything except the space of the letters. So let's say I had ABC, I'd carve out around ABC instead of carving in ABC. And this is, they would also cut along the grain of the wood. And all they had to do was ink it into the block and then make it into con contact with the paper to make a acceptable print. However, it would reverse print in kind of like a mirror-like image, which was an issue for them. And a fun fact, the term that they used for the art of carving the wood block was actually known as xylography, but this was rarely used. And for color printing, they'd actually use a series of different wooden blocks just because that's how it would work. 
And as we've mentioned, it origin it the origin of it was from China, and there's actually a legend of a man who said that a supernatural being had given him this jade seal thing that let him basically print in a magical way. He was eventually executed. But some people do believe that this supposed magical block was actually just a regular printing device, and he may have been the first man to actually make a printer. As I previously mentioned, this would spread throughout Asia and would later move on to Europe. And they would often, and it would be impactful just because it allowed people to produce different types of books. And even though they could not produce them super fast, they could still produce them quite well and could produce them quite faster than other groups could. So it made it much easier to print. And even though they were a time-intensive process, if you had specific documents you wanted to preserve, they were a good way to make them fast enough for them to do it. They even used them for various types of like education and exams and all types of stuff to help people learn and kind of pick up information. They would continue to use woodlock printing up until it would actually be the most like common form of printing in Asia up until like the nineteenth century. After that, it still exists today, but it is not used as much, and it would be used quite often in Buddhist culture and in various religions, also to help preserve holy texts and spread them around. And even later on, they would act. The Islamic world would also use it to print and kind of adopt that way. They could produce they could produce important manuscripts and kind of spread them around more. But it would later go out of use. Then in Europe, they would actually use it for printing on cloth. They would often use, make these like elaborate religious paintings. But then later on, they'd use them to do smaller items and playing cards and things like that. Then later on, they w- they would move on to movable type printing, and I will cover the Euro- movable type, then Euro- European movable type, and that'll be all I will cover, just because the other forms of printing are kind of confusing, or not necessarily confusing, but much more complex. I just kind of want to cover the early history, as I previously mentioned. So, movable type, and printing actually starts with ceramic movable type, and this was invented in the Northern Song Dynasty around the year 1041 by a commoner who was known as Bai Xing, and his type was actually fired in porcelain. Then this would end up being passed on to his ancestors after his death. And then the next mention shows up about a little bit over 150 years later in 1193. And this was when a Southern Song chief counselor attributed like the movable type method to a man named Shen Kuo. But he did. But this man actually said, "I did not invent it," and he actually credited back to the guy I mentioned before, Bai Sheng. Then another man ended up. Another. It was also mentioned by Kublai Khan's counselor Yao Shu, who talked. Who actually kind of got his pupil to print using this method. A thing to note, however, is that the ceramic type definitely had a series of different different disadvantages. The watery Chinese ink was not very compatible with the ceramic. In addition to this, there's another problem is that sometimes when they would bake to harden the things, they would expand. This led to uneven expansions. It's when there's oftentimes a lot of uneven matching of type. It's very hard to read and kind of interpret it. They'd even also work on movable wooden types type, but that was also not good because they had huge issues with just the different forms of grains and the different, like, unevenness of wood types, making it very hard to do that. They would still use it somewhat, and they would also have their own version of movable metal type. They'd actually use bronze movable types to usually print official, like, documents and bank notes. They'd have different types of them. They'd even have special ones, like, for preventing counter- fit money that actually have their own like anti-counterfeit measures which i think is very cool and then movable type would not very not be used quite often it would 
And even when it was used, it would not really replace block printing just because the way in which they do things, remember, they have different characters for different words oftentimes, and it would be way too expensive for people to make so many different characters, and so it would be easier to let's do it like the woodblock method. Nothing to know is though, even though they did use word block printing, they've basically found a way to make it work or kind of find a way to make it. Basically, find a way to make it so efficient that they could print large amounts and that they could basically print large amounts very fast. And they could also make them very cheap. And it turns out that people, some British observers basically say something along the lines of it's actually cheaper to get a wood block printed book in. China than it is to get a regular printed one in England. And this was during Queen China, so by this point, they probably had some form of printing press in Europe. And it took up until the mechanical printing press being introduced that the Europeans could actually do things, could catch up to them. As I previously mentioned, and I believe in my Gutenberg podcast, I don't remember if I mentioned this for sure, but the Eastern metal movable type strategies were actually spread to Europe between the late 14th and early 15th centuries. And some people claim that it moved westward, at least, but some people claim that it did not move westward, that there's not any really evidence that it moved and that the Europeans may have come up on their own. But usually people believe that the it's Johannes Gutenberg who invented European movable type printing along with the printing press. And basically, movable type was quicker and more durable than the European types, as it was much more durable because metal is more durable than wood usually. They could also have much more uniform lettering, which meant more new typography and new fonts. And as a result of this, it kind of became very famous. And this very, and the Gutenberg Bible would make it much more popular. People realized, oh my god, look how cheap this new method is. We can get these very nice books. It's not like this is oh, an ugly book. It's a very nice looking book and very cheap compared to other books. And Gutenberg's also believed to be the one responsible for introducing oil-based ink, which is more durable than usually than previous water-based inks. And Gutenberg was also previously a professional goldsmith, and because of this, he was able to make very good use of his knowledge of metal, so he can make his type, he can make his types from an alloy of tin, lead, and antimony, or type metal, which basically allowed him to make very durable type and produce high quality printed books. And he would actually, he also invented a very another very ingenious invention, a special matrix, which allowed people to mold new movable types with a very with like unprecedented precision at a very short notice and this would revolutionize the world just because you can print faster and stronger so i'm going to kind of talk about what his flatbread printing press just because it's important to know so the printing press is a mechanical device which which basically allows you to apply pressure to an ink surface resting upon a medium like paper or cloth which allows you to transfer an image and the systems involved, they were first assembled in Germany by the goldsmith Johannes Gutenberg in the mid-15th century, and printing methods based on this would spread throughout Europe and the rest of the world, and this would usually replant block printing, block printing with the exception of Asia, especially China. It was later replaced with offset printing, but it existed for a long period of time, and he actually began working on it in 1436 with a man known as Andreas Dritzen, who he had previously taught a kind of... Gem about who had kind of taught about gem cutting, and then later on he would actually he would also work with the owner of a paper mill known as Andreas Heilemann. At the time, other people were working on movable types, but it is not known if they have really con- that they have contributed really anything major to the printing press. 
and he'd kind of just, and I think they're not at the time, or kind of near the time of Gutenberg, early printing houses would be run by so-called master printers who owned things, selected things, basically kind of did all the work. They'd sell the works, they'd do distribution, they'd raise money, they'd edit manuscripts, they'd select manuscripts, and they'd choose sizes. And they'd actually have like a whole structure, and some of these printing houses would kind of become cultural centers for the intellectuals of the time. They had structures. First, you'd have the apprentices between 15 and 20. Thing to note, apprentices did not actually have to know how to read, interestingly enough. They'd usually just do like various, like, kind of the grunt work, they'd get the ink. But if you'd want to, like, actually become advanced up in the world, you'd eventually have to learn Latin. You'd have to work under a man known as the journeyman. The journeyman were the so-called, like, basically, after you complete your apprenticeship, the journeyman printers would become free-to-move employers. This basically means they can move around. They no longer have to work for them, and this helps spread around printing because oftentimes they'd take their newfound knowledge and move around to try to, like, find out or kind of try to start their own business spreading printing around the world. Then you also have journeyman printers who'd and then you had the compositors, the ones who set the type. And print is the one who actually worked the press. And the thing to note is actually that the main guy who like b- backed Gutenberg was a man known as Johannes Fust. And at the time is that because in the 16th century, it was becoming much more com- like specialized to print. You'd, people kept specializing more and more in the field of printing because the structures that supported the publishers were becoming much more complex. And the master printers, like, the role of the master printer was starting to die out, being replaced by the bookseller slash publisher. At the time, printing was kind of much more stronger commercially, but there were still a lot of risks. But it it often depended on, like, what type, what you were printing could often determine how risky it was, just because certain things were more likely to be sold. Later on, people would kind of begin to, like, come up with these new methods for printing. First of all, subscription, in which you could, like... Sign up for a copy, and, like, if you had enough subscribers to buy it, you'd print it. If you didn't, then you wouldn't print the idea. That way you can make sure that you could lose less money. Then there'd be, like, syndicates where people would pull their money together to kind of share in the risk and the profit. They'd also have installment printing where they'd print them in parts. That way they could kind of spread the cost over time and could allow for earlier return on investment. That way... They could basically, man, maybe you sell a couple hundred, maybe you make enough money to cover the next couple of costs, so therefore it's easier for you to print it. And the first, like, major publication in installments would be known as the Mechanic Exercises. And these organizations just let printing happen. So thanks for listening, folks. This was the History of Printing. Have a wonderful day.